It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Welcome to Done Being Single. I love the studio applause, even though we don't have a studio audience. It's canned. But you know what? But that's our way. So are we. <laughs> we are a little bit of canned. No, we uh, we only need ourselves. We, have we some, don't need a studio. We audience. have some canned laughs. But we don't need that either. We don't need that either. No, because we make each other laugh. We do. And that laugh. was one of the things that seduced me about you. You made me laugh. Yeah, no, you made me laugh. <laughs> you are a wonderful audience for me, I have to say. Well, it's genuine. Thank you. I mean, really, it wasn't like I was just, you know blowing air up your ass no so you, you speak, don't have to do that or, but, oh um, but you know, we are talking about seduction today really yes and i gotta tell you if you don't already know and As our listeners to telling somebody else? <laughs> tell the guy out the street right. on the street uh that you you did really seduce me i i i did yes you did and i'll tell you how i can't wait to hear this you courted me. No, and well, eventually you went there, but uh, but you courted me. I courted you. Yes. I did court you. And it worked. Hook, line, and sinker. Hmm. And I, I think there is a science to it, and there's definitely an art to it, and, and that's what this show is dedicated to, and we have the perfect guest to talk about it, but... I want to applaud you. You get a little uh, round of thank applause. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Because yeah. I think it. I think it. I think it's. It can be taught. I think it's just natural and organic. First of all, either I think you have it. You, the, the ability to seduce, and you're a salesperson. And we're going to be talking about the business aspects of seduction, not I, just romantic and friendships. I it, mean, we're going to kind of cover it all. It is a sales position. Yeah. So yeah, but, your sales skills. There's a lot of overlap, I think. You're saying that my sales skills from business came into play in my personal romantic life. Yeah, they came in handy. I didn't teach you how to use a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so to speak. Uh, But you, as a salesperson, you you have a lot of uh, tools in your box. (laughs) This is going south very quickly. You do. You have a lot of... um, I think you're seducing people and you don't even know it. I appreciate hearing that. I think you are onto something, but I think I do know it. And I think that people that do have some of those tools are aware of how to use them. We can always use refresher courses in how to use them better. But I think that people that know how to, that are players in certain games are able to utilize those tools in their toolbox. But thank you so much yeah. for recognizing that because you've never really spoken about that. And I've never really thought about it, but I guess it is something that I was able to transcend from a business position into a personal. Okay, well, that's what makes you so effective as a business person, a businessman, and a salesperson because it's it's natural, it's organic, it's not you're not full of shit, you're you're not a phony. It's obvious to everybody that you're very genuine, and that's what came across to me that you approached me and courted me with like a gentleman with 
you know, with respect and pace. And I don't know, I can't explain uh, well, it. It was. Know, if I think back on it, I, I don't, I did not have an agenda when we met. It wasn't a goal to get you in the sack or to date you three times and then, you know, go to something else. It, I, there was no goal. It was just, wow, an incredible woman. And how fortunate am I to be in a position where I can spend some time with you and you with me and we get to know each other and let's see what happens here. So that was the agenda. It was very open-ended. There wasn't any goal in mind. I think that didn't come out till much later. But that is what, this is what I'm saying. This is what makes you so good at what you do. It makes you seductive because you're for real. You're a straight shooter. You know, you mean business. And you went slow and you got to know me. And that is really important in today's dating world. People go too damn fast because we are now in a, in a digital dating world where it's got to be fast. It's got to, you have to have immediate gratification. And I think that is eating away at the, the art of seduction and courtship. I, and I, I think that uh, not to take all the credit, it takes two to be seduced. There has to be the seducer and the seducee, I guess, at this point. So you have to be open to it. I And not that it was something that it was premeditated on my part in any way. It really wasn't. I was, I think what I feel makes it work is that I was just being me and being nice and honest and, and wanting to know who you were. And Yes, yes, that's it. Do we have a sound effect? That's it. You're a good listener. What'd you say? You're a good listener. What'd you say? You're a good listener. <laughs> Thank that you. is okay. the essence of you listened to me. You heard me. You took the time to get to know me and what I needed and who I was and my essence. And, you know, that is the key. Okay, so our guest today Listening says and engaging. that seduction is filling the unmet need. How do you know what the need is? You listen. You pay attention. You ask questions. You show some interest and curiosity. Inquisitiveness. You're inquisitive, yes. Without being interrogating. Right, of course. Well-paced. Give and take. Yeah, so, and so, and it also kind of really helped that you were traveling a lot during that time when we were getting to know each other. So a lot of our, quote, courtship was done over the phone. And that was really great because that way you got to know me. And I think you got to know what my unmet fill, no, my unmet <laughs> need was. Boy, did I. Right? You, you had some unmet needs. Well, because I told you. I said, this is my, listen, by, when did I meet you? I was 49. 50, excuse me. Okay. I had just turned 50. We both have a lot of history. We had a lot of stories. We had a lot of pain, suffering, heartache. We got to know each other. And I think what happened was because you were tuned into me, you were able to identify what my unmet need was and you met it. Is that fair to say? And yes. you were, and that's how you seduced me. Well, I, I feel so honored and flattered. Well, it's true. Our guest also said, what do you need to give to get what you want? So I also had to give you information, input, insight into me in order to get what I wanted. I know that's a little strange, but okay. We're talking about the guest behind his back. I feel like... Let's bring on Dr. Raj. I mean, let's bring him on. 
Okay, Dr. Raj Prasad is a consultant psychiatrist who worked at the Bethlehem Royal and Maudsley NHS hospitals in London and as an honorary senior lecturer at the Institute of Psychiatry at the University of London. These are the premier research and training institutions for psychiatry in Europe. Dr. Raj was also a research fellow at Johns Hopkins Hospital and Institute of Neurology at Queen Square. Dr. Raj also holds a degree in psychology and eight other degrees and diplomas, including a master's in statistics. He was awarded the Royal College of Psychiatrists Research Prize and Medal, the Maudsley Hospital's Dennis Hill Prize, and the Osler Medal. The Royal College of Psychiatrists recently also awarded him the Morris Marco Prize. Wow. He's a prize. This guy. He's just a walking prize. Shall we bring him on? Let's. Dr. Raj. Dr. Persaud, Raj, are you welcome there? Welcome to Dunbean Single. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you very much. So you are Skyping in from London, where it is Sorry. after midnight right now. It's about 1230, actually. On yeah. Friday. And uh, we're so happy to have you here. And you are so accomplished in your fields. And it's really an honor to have you on, on the show. So we're talking about the art of seduction. And Trevor kind of just overwhelmed with the, really? you know, yes, what you were saying, because I, I hadn't really thought about that and it wasn't premeditated, but what can you tell us about this? Uh, well, the first thing I have to say is, as you know, we had a little bit of a technical hitch and so we had to have the video on. So I saw Trevor and I saw you, Robbie. Yes. And uh, I got to say to you, Robbie, that Trevor is absolutely gorgeous and way out of your league. So <laughs> I, I, I need to understand. You're not the first you person to tell me that. I, I love you, you Dr. Thank Raj. you. That is, that's you very, can come on any time. You know what? That, I, that, that is very kind of you to say, because I agree. Thank you. Thank right. you so much. We met your wife, too. Or was that your mistress? We weren't sure. So that's... <laughs> yeah, you did ask me if that was my no, no. wife or my mistress. I was... Uh, uh, no, that was my wife. She, she, we had a slight technical hitch. I had to take the computer to her to fix the microphone. So you already clocked that she's the brains of the operation. <laughs> Aren't I, we all? I love that you went to her immediately. That was great. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so she's a, a professor of eye surgery and uh, I'm a psychiatrist. So whenever my parents introduce both of us at parties, they always say she's a proper doctor. So uh, I think uh, they're still recovering from my choice of career as a psychiatrist. Okay. I know. The world needs you. Yes, we need you. So, so um, she was trying to explain how you seduced her. And I think it's really interesting because it's quite difficult to get one's head around exactly what is going on in a seduction. When a seduction's going really well, you don't notice, I think, uh, that you're being seduced. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to discuss. I also think that the classic approach most people take to seduction is they believe that they should just be themselves. That's the classic thing. And when I made the claim in my book about seduction that I believe that if you understood the laws of attraction, the science of romance, the psychology of, of why we fall for certain people, if you understood those rules, I argued in the book, it was a very bold claim that you could make anyone fall in love with you. So uh, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, read this claim and, and asked me to kind of put my money where my mouth was. And they, they said they were going to send me speed dating. Um, to test my claim. So when I announced to my wife I was going to be sent speed dating by the BBC, she flew into a panic. And uh, I said, why are, you, why are you so panicky? She said, well, suppose no one chooses you. I said, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. 
But basically, she then said, well, you know, this might reflect badly on me. But before we did started the speed dating, I asked the guys who were going on the speed dating, and I said, what strategy, what tactics, what's your plan over the speed dating exercise? And they kind of looked at me blankly and said, we're just going to be ourselves. So I, I said to them, have you ever wondered why you're single? It may be something to do with the fact you're just being yourself. So this is the key tension. Should we just be ourselves or should we try something else when it comes to seduction? I think it's such a great point because I think that when you are yourself, you don't have to think about being somebody else. And that is so important when you meet somebody because if you are somebody else, where is the real you? When does that come out? And isn't that the most important thing to show somebody new that you're interested in? You, uh, I agree, but I think you have to be yourself 2.0 when you're out, in, when you're single. Does that make sense? You have to be you with effort. Well, okay, so we enter now a really interesting uh, part of the whole science of seduction or the psychology of seduction, which is, I think, and again, a lot of people are going to run screaming from the room, but I think you can divide relationships into three key phases, which is the attention phase, the interest phase, and then the maintenance phase. And I think this is a very useful tool in terms of thinking about seduction, although it's not a popular idea, but a powerful idea. So the attention phase is you walk into a bar, you see a gorgeous person, your eyes lock and they have your attention. And hopefully uh, you, you've got their attention. The attention phase lasts a few minutes, a few hours, a few weeks. And I'm gonna ask you in a minute to be prepared what got your attention about the other person, your partner, in a second. But after the attention phase comes the interest phase where you go over and you talk to this person. You're thinking to yourself, are you interesting? You've got my attention. And then after the interest phase comes the maintenance phase. So the interest phase can last a few weeks or a few months. And then the maintenance phase is you make a decision. I want to commit to this person. I want to try a relationship out. I want to see if it works. And that can last years, maybe hopefully decades. Now, here's a key point. The skills required to do each phase vary and differ. We all know people who are brilliant at attention. They're drop-dead gorgeous, but they're hopeless at maintenance, and, and so on and so forth. And I argue in my book that part of the art of seduction is to understand which phase you're in and to do that particular phase well. And I think that requires different aspects of our personality depending on the phase you're in. There are a lot of fantastic people who are single when they don't want to be single. Those people are great at maintenance. We all know them. They're fantastic people, but they're hopeless attention and interest. And that's why they're single. Mm -hmm. So I think this notion of dividing relationships into different phases and thinking about the different skills required is a crucial idea in the science of seduction. Dr. Raj, we are going to go to our first break, but we are going to come back with lots more. So we'll be right back. And we are back. Okay, Dr. Raj, you were talking about attention, the skills required for attention, interest, and maintenance. And how and each one is different, requires different skills. Requ excuse me, yep. right, and how each require different skills. I'm, it sounds to me kind of like the person who is a great opener but can't close. Is that sort of what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, but but I want to address that point. I want to go back to the point that, that Robbie was making, which is that he, he was kind of saying you need to be yourself because sooner or later you can't carry on. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. You can't carry on and act forever. And I agree with that. That's the maintenance phase of the relationship, which is the third phase, is the phase where you kind of like really get to know the person. The point I'm making is when you first meet someone on a first date, right, do you go on about the crap day you had at the office as your opening gambit? 
10 years into a marriage, when you come home after a crap day at the office, that's your, that's your opening up comment, which is maybe fine. Obviously, that's dangerous if you keep doing that in the maintenance phase. But my point is you've got to think hard about the fact that when you first meet someone, if you're really interested in them, you can't be in the maintenance phase. You can't be entirely how you would be 10 years into a marriage. You've got to be someone that gets their attention. That's different. Now, the other reason why this idea is very important is if you're going to survive in a marriage that lasts many decades, in my opinion, you have to constantly be cycling through attention, interest, and maintenance. For those people out there who don't like this idea, I'm not I'm not saying that you just have to focus on attention because you've got to go and pull people because you want to attract lots of new people. If you settle down with someone, you have to be constantly cycling through attention, interest, and maintenance. If you gallop to maintenance and camp out in that territory, that is very dangerous because sooner or later, someone else is going to get your partner's attention if you're not very careful. Mm -hmm. You need to constantly be doing something that suddenly gets your partner's attention in a way whereby they suddenly wake up to you and, and go through interest and then back round to maintenance. This constant cycling through attention, interest and maintenance um, is extremely important, in, in my view, for, for relationships that last in the long term. It's not just about how to pull someone in a bar, it's how to keep someone mm -hmm. over 40 years. So what you're saying is that the romance should never stop. Yes. Well, the seduction should never stop. I think seduction is a lifelong project. And again, when I make that point in talks I've given all around the country and all around the world, I find it fascinating how many people say, oh, that's exhausting. I'm exhausted by the idea I've got to be constantly seducing my partner. And I think that's really fascinating. I think you should enjoy seduction. It's, it's kind of what relationships are meant to be about. And when it turns into hard work, there's something gone seriously wrong there, I think. Mm -hmm. you, you should... You should enjoy the idea that your project as, as, as a person in a long-term relationship is to be thinking constantly about how to re-seduce your partner. So how would one know if one had a weakness in either attention, interest, or maintenance? Well, women are very good at telling us these things. <laughs> That's so, so true. Just ask your wife. Right. Tell you where your weakness is, oh. but, but no, no, you're, you're making a very good point. So, so one point to think about is where, when are you most comfortable? A lot of people are not comfortable walking into a room where they don't know anyone and they have to initiate conversation. If you're not comfortable with that bit, right, and you're very comfortable, you know, um, and, and very good with close friends who you've known for many years, then it's possibly the case you're not particularly good at attention or interest. And another thing to think about is when you initiate conversations with people, do they kind of glance at their watch and are they quite keen to break off and go somewhere else? If you're good at attention and interest, not only are people drawn to you who are strangers, but, but they want to stay and talk to you, okay? And you're the one that has to kind of say, listen, you know, I, I have to go or, or, and so on. So um, it's a very good question, which we're very uncomfortable in terms of asking ourselves, where might our weakness be? And I think it's really interesting that you thought about that. You thought about thinking, how do we find out wh where our weaknesses are? And that's, again, a fatal flaw when people are unseductive. Uh, they're not thinking about that. Well, I think that most men, and I think men are kind of put in the natural position of being the seducers and the pursuers so it's natural i think for 
myself to think, okay, I don't have a problem approaching somebody and uh, opening a conversation, breaking the ice a little bit. If there's a lull in the middle of it, I guess all three of these things could be applied in the course of uh, just meeting somebody at a bar or in a public place. Uh, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, and you're making an excellent point here. Another really good test of, of which phase you're weak in is the notion of small talk. Small talk is a British term for you're at the hairdressers, they're cutting your hair and they kind of make conversation with you. They ask you, where are you going on holiday? So that's small talk. Small talk is um, conversations that people have that seem trivial, don't seem profound, don't seem to go anywhere in particular, but they pass the time of day. Now, small talk is crucial in attention and to some extent interest. And a lot of people hate small talk. And those people are often really good at maintenance. By and large, people who are good at maintenance want to have important, profound conversations about important stuff. But small talk is what gets you into there. Small talk is part of the transition from attention and interest. And small talk is where how you find out stuff about the other person so you can have a more serious, meaningful conversation. So again, we get down and drill down in the nitty gritty of how to have a conversation. And I think that's a whole subject in itself. Basically, seduction by and large occurs through conversations. And I think we're losing the art, going back to the point that Trevor made at the beginning, we're losing the art of seduction and conversation because digital technology means people swipe right, swipe left, send text messages, and that the whole art of seduction is, is getting lost. And I think that's dangerous. And I think it, it leads to loneliness, isolation, and also relationship breakdown. And I, I think that small talk will lead to deeper topics and deeper conversations. And I think that if you skip the small talk and go right to the depth, I think you're missing out on something that is important interaction with two new people that are just meeting for the first time. Yeah. So, for example, when we first met, again, going back to the fact I had a few technical hitches and I had to go up and down my house here in London. And you were making great small talk, commenting on stuff you could see in the background as I went up and down the stairs. Mm -hmm. We won't go into what that we was. We had a great it tour was. of your place. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, you, you wondered if uh, we had a housekeeper. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> you took us up the roof to a lovely view of London at midnight. It was yeah. great. Yeah, this honestly is my house. I'm not a cat burglar. <laughs> <laughs> not with that suit and tie on. I don't, I don't recognize any of this stuff, but this is definitely my house. Anyway, my point was you naturally, what was fascinating was you naturally fell into small talk to pass the moment because it was a quite, it was a moment where the, the silence could have been stressful or embarrassing as I was trying to make the microphone work. But you have a natural tendency to fill, to fill the space in a very relaxed manner. A lot of people can't do that. And there's something about us doing that was going to gauge how you were with us doing that because that was yes. important for yes. us to feel that you could laugh along with us under yes. the circumstances of what we were experiencing. Yeah, now that's another really interesting point. In fact, you revealed a lot about yourself, not directly through the small talk. I think get a sense of the kind of person you were. And, and also the way you handle the fact that from my end, although I'm a psychiatrist and therefore obviously I have perfect mental health, you could see <laughs> I was getting a bit stressed. But the fact I couldn't get the microphone to work, but you kept you kept calming me down by the small talk. So again, we reveal, we reveal information and we emotionally manage people through small talk. So you know, it's it's something that needs to be taken more seriously because there's an art to it. It, it, and it that, is an art. By the way, 
is another key point, how we emotionally manage people, detect emotions in the other person. Mm -hmm. Going back to filling the unmet need, a lot of our needs are about emotion. What emotion is my partner in at the moment? Digital technology is meaning that we're getting not so good mm -hmm. at detecting the emotional state of the person within, and that's another crucial step in seduction. That's why I hate texting as a, as a primary form of communication. It's just too much gets lost in translation. And it's dangerous. And you miss all and yes. you miss all those cues, as you were saying. Yes. But people have to enjoy conversation. And I'm not sure again whether people are losing the art of enjoying conversation. I could tell straight away from the banter between the two of you that you guys enjoy conversation, which is lucky given you make this podcast. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> whether we like it or not, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> but my, but, but there are many people that we're talking, we have to talk to on a daily basis or in a seduction situation, and they don't radiate the kind of signal that they enjoy the conversation. Both of you are very good at indicating you're going to, you, you, you enjoy talking to people, I think. That's very seductive. And that is very interesting how people are terrible at that. By and large. You, you, thank you for picking up on that. But I think getting even deeper into the weeds a little bit, because if you are interacting with somebody who you sense is not enjoying the small talk, you need to pivot. You need to do something different to yes. keep the seduction alive of some sort, because what you initially were doing is not working. And so yes. help us with that moment when that occurs, if it occurs. Yes. Well, again, this is a very important point. People have to have what we call a behavioral repertoire. You have to have options in conversation. You have to be thinking about where else can I go? So and a, a very powerful technique is, and it's gonna sound blindingly simple, but ask questions or ask a question. Now the psychology of question asking is fascinating because questions help you take control of a conversation because um, it's, it's a really kind of implicit law of human behavior that we feel obliged to answer a question. And that's really fascinating because, of course, we could just actually ignore questions that come at us, but we tend not to. So you can take control of a conversation if it's not going very well by thinking about asking a question. And a useful thing to then think about is ask a question that's likely to be in a positive place emotionally for the other person. So think about asking questions about positive emotional experiences they may have had or may be about to have. So that's why the hairdressers, and hairdressers are much better psychiatrists than most psychiatrists, say things like, where are you going on holiday? Because usually a holiday is a positive emotional experience. Or they say to you, where did you last go on holiday? They're trying to help you bring back memories of your last holiday. So that's, that's a useful thing. Think about asking a question. The other thing, and this, this is a tactic that doesn't work so well with people who are terrible at conversation, is another key term called free information. Free information is when you reveal something about yourself, which becomes a possible topic of conversation. So, I mean, I revealed something about myself as we were bantering away about the house, about my wife, etc., etc. So free information gives the other person an opportunity uh, mm -hmm. to ask you questions about yourself. Okay, well, we are going to take our second break and then come back because we've got some great questions. That I, have some, been I have some free info. Yes. I have some free information. So we will be right back with more from Dr. Raj. And we are back. Okay, I can't let this point go because this what Dr. Raj says about the importance of asking questions is everything. And just, I wanna to speak to the men out there right now. There is nothing more attractive, sexier, 
and seductive than a man who is interested, curious, and listens and asks you questions. And I know that when people are on a first date, even second date, they're nervous and nervous chatter and I, 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 me, 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 me. You know, for what it's worth, guys, remember what we're telling you here because that, it means a lot to a woman. It means you are waiting, you're listening, you're waiting for cues and messages and signals and things to talk about. I think it applies to women And it shows interest. And yes, and for sure. But um, men tend to get a little bit sort of uh, centered, me-centric when on dates. Okay, go ahead. Continue what you guys were talking no, no. about. I just had, a, I just had to make that point. Yeah, but I want to pick up on the point you're making there. You see, I think a lot of guys think they've got to impress a woman, right? And um, again, the problem is if it's too obvious you're trying to impress a woman, that's not seductive. There's a famous saying here in Britain um, that more women have been laughed into bed than impressed into bed. Um, obviously, it depends on the woman, but, yes. <laughs> but generally speaking, um, guys think that what they need to do is impress and actually the more confident a guy you are the less interested you are in having to impress so true. Mm-hmm. and I think as you say um, the, the, the point is to show an interest in the other person and I think that there's a couple of other questions that guys need to ask they don't just need to ask kind of questions they often ask because you know guys like to read books like the history of the tank stuff like that so <laughs> Um, questions they tend to ask is like, what happened? They need to move past what happened to how did you feel about what happened, right? Mm-hmm. How did that impact upon you? And, they te- and guys tend not to ask that question. Women are better at thinking not just what happened, but what was the impact. Now, another really interesting place to go, which I get a lot of people don't, is, again, think about really intense emotions because people engage over intense emotions. And, and while love and passion are intense emotions. Hatred is also an intense emotion. And people love to start to talk about stuff they hate. So it's okay. actually not a bad place as well to get into. So, you know, so how do you feel about your boss, right? <laughs> and, and allowing people to ventilate. But anything which takes you into intense emotion is the key territory to be in. That's what makes an interesting conversation. And it's interesting that you're saying that because Trevor just asked me the other night about compiling a new blog and subject matter you both dislike that you can be as compatible in as mm-hmm, much as mm-hmm. liking. You share the as, same dislikes. Correct. So well, well, I call that mutual hatreds, but I think that's exactly <laughs> what unites people a lot of the time. It's not, it's not love that makes the world go round, but shared hatreds, oh. I think. I think there's a dating app called something like hater well you know and it's based on the things that you both hate that's serious yeah we have some shared hatred here on on a show okay i'm an extremely stable genius okay so (laughs) (laughs) it's every day yeah okay i just want to ask oh was that donald trump yes Yes. where have you been it, right. it, it, I don't have any Boris Johnson sound effects yet, but I'll get them. That is funny. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Dr. Raj, I have a question. Can you make someone fall? How do you make someone fall in love with you? How and can? Is that a, is right? That, yeah. Can you even? Really? Is there such a thing? Yes. Well, I I I said in my book um, that you can make anyone fall in love with you. It's an extremely bold claim. It's a bolder claim than what you're asking, which is can we make a particular person interested in falling in love with us. I, I think we can, but first of all, the first starting point is whether you're up for the project. 
because there's two main different views of relationships here. There's the romantic view, which you see in Hollywood films all the time and in, in fiction that you read. And the romantic view says, no, you can't make someone fall in love with you. If you go back to Romeo and Juliet, the classic romantic story is two people meet, something chemical, mysterious, poetic happens between them and they fall for each other. And that's the ultimate romantic ideal. Okay, It's just mysterious. You can't control it. Now, in contrast to the romantic view is what I would call the scientific pragmatic view. And the scientific and pragmatic view starts from a completely different place. It says, listen, hang on a second. We are biologically wired up. It's in our genes to fall for people. And there's a reason why evolution built that into our biology is because we needed to procreate. So you notice how unromantic a perspective this is. This is the scientific perspective. And the scientific perspective says that, you know, there's 7.5 billion people on the planet. Within a five-mile radius, there's probably at least 20 people if we meet under the right circumstances, we could probably make a fair crack at it. The romantic view says there's only one person on the planet, that when we meet, violins will play, there'll be a union of souls. The scientific pragmatic view says there's probably lots of people on the planet with whom we're compatible with and, and we could have a fair crack at it. And the scientific pragmatic view says, let me figure out what are the levers I need to pull in order to get someone to engage with me? And that is, going back to the point you made, which was in my um, TED uh, talk, TEDx talk, is find the unmet need. At the heart of seduction is that kernel of an idea. Find It's a binary approach. Find the unmet need and then fill the unmet mm -hmm. need in a way that's never been filled before. Now, when I, I gave that talk, and it's had over 2.5 million views now, but uh, some of the comments underneath are quite interesting. One comment recently was, what happens if there is no unmet need? I thought that was a fascinating question. First of all, in my private practice in Harley Street, I see some of the wealthiest people on the planet, some of the most beautiful, some of the, the most physically attractive, and everyone's got unmet needs. People find that very hard to understand. And what's really interesting about so-called really attractive people or very wealthy people is because everyone assumes they have no unmet needs, they often have the, they're often the most neglected, in my experience, in terms of unmet needs. So everyone's got unmet needs. Let's, let's establish that point. And then the, the, the second step is you've got to find the unmet need. And that goes back to asking questions and engaging with people and being interested in people's yes. unmet needs. And again, a lot of people find that they say that's too hard work. Well, if you're not up for the work, which is part of life, then mm -hmm. you're not going to be very good at seduction. But I also think that that is something that people naturally do without having it being labeled the unmet need. And I'm going to find out what that is. You, you always are trying to find out how's this person tick? What's going on inside this person? So my question was, and it's a perfect leading is, okay, I just met somebody and what's the pathway to finding her unmet need. Can I answer that? Sure. Okay, no, no, Dr. Raj, you answer that, and then I will give you my own answer. I want to hear your answer first, honey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you listen, if you listen, if you if you listen carefully enough, you mm. will get your answers, and you will learn about what that unmet need is. You will hear from that guy or girl where her weaknesses are, where her, where his vulnerabilities are based on his past, based on his family, the, you know, the asking of questions, you'll get a lot of material. And that is ultimately will seduce someone, correct? That's what you did. You Makes did sense. it masterfully. Well, 
Thank okay. You. you, over the course of X amount of months, you talked to me, you asked me questions about myself, you heard my story, you got my story. Based on what I was telling you, you could probably figure out what I needed. You didn't tell me about your parents, though, until we were in the <laughs> I, I left that part yeah. out. Um, but right, Dr. Raj, am I on to something? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But Trevor, I want to ask you a question. When you see Robbie in action working a room at a party, mm -hmm. do you see him being seductive as well in a, in a general sense? In other words, did, did you feel, because he's obviously a seductive guy, I, I get that. But You're not but bad did yourself. You, did you feel, did you feel um, obviously you felt he had a particular interest in you, right? Yes. That's another key point about seduction, which again, a lot of people don't understand. You walk up to a girl in a bar, you feed her some lines you've read on the internet, she's figured out that it didn't really matter who's sitting there, standing there in those stilettos, you'd be feeding the same line. Mm -hmm. That's not seductive. What is seductive is to feel the person has a specific interest in me and what makes me different. And again, a lot of guys don't get that. And so what I'm interested in is, is do you see Robbie being charming, because charm is another word for seduction, do, do you see his charm at work um, outside of your relationship. I'm oh, that. absolutely I do. This is what makes him so winning. Yeah, and, and can you tell us a bit about what he does that's so charming? He makes you feel, he, he first of all, he, I think, is he keeps eye contact, which is important. So he looks at you, He he's earnest, he's sincere, he's curious, he asks you about you, he makes you feel important and good about yourself. But he's also um, warm. I think he's, he's a very warm, warm and guy. And he's very warm. Yes, yeah. people are drawn to him. Yeah, and, and I think that a lot of people are under a lot of stress and they're not happy with their lives. And one of the problems is they're turning to dating because they want to find someone who's going to solve their problem. Yes. And that's the wrong basis to be looking for someone. Be in a better place in your own life. Be happy and have such a wonderful life. You want to share it with someone else. Yes. You want to give someone something to someone else as opposed to needing something from someone else. And that's my sense uh, about Robbie. I get the feeling that he wants to give you something, right? Well, not that and I want... Yes. I don't want to interrupt this love flowing into me yeah, right if, now if because I, I, I'm very... Bigger. This is... <laughs> I won't be able to get out the door, uh, but we do have to go to our last break and uh, we will come back with more from Dr. Raj. And we are back. And we were talking about how charming Robbie is. And it's not about you. Okay. Can we, make, can we make it a little bit about me? Yeah, we Just have to or else. Uh, we have to or else. I'll, it'll be a miserable night later. No, it doesn't have to be about me. It's, it, it is, it's about, let's stay on topic here, okay? Okay, so back to you, Robbie to Dr. Raj. So how does everything we're talking about apply to the business world? Because I think, as I was saying in the in our opening segment, that I believe Robbie is who he is in business as he is in in our relationship and in, in his personal life. So I think the, there yeah. are things that overlap seduction-wise yeah. in business. Okay, yes, yeah, so I want to pick up on that point. I want to make, I want to come, come at that from a, 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 an unusual angle, which is again going back to the principles and the science of seduction. So a, a guy has got a date, uh, and uh, the date is 8 p.m. tonight, right? So the way a lot of people think is, okay, I will start being seductive at 8 p.m. I will continue being seductive till around midnight, then I'll stop being seductive, right? Um, so here's a key point. Life is full of a series of micro-seductions. When you go and buy a coffee uh, from the local coffee place, 
seduce the person selling you the coffee. Now, I don't mean seduce them in an erotic um, sense, but charm them and get them to like you. See each encounter as an opportunity for a kind of seduction. And people like Robbie, as we were discussing earlier, are doing that naturally. And again, if people think I'll turn on being seductive because I'm meeting someone I want to seduce, then I'll switch it off. That's the wrong approach. You, it's very unlikely that's going to work. So practice seductive. As you go and meet the receptionist to, to, to your doctor or to someone in the office, the receptionist has a tough job, is normally ignored by everyone. Give that receptionist some attention and interest and seduce them a little bit in the five minutes you're waiting for your next appointment. Practice seduction with everyone, the bus driver, even micro um, uh, connections, which are only gonna last a few minutes, practice being charming. Now, seduction is not just about seducing people into bed or into a relationship, it's also in business. So the attention, interest, maintenance model applies to business. In business, you meet the client and you need to get their attention. You clients have to come to you because you've got their attention in some way. You've got to transition into interest and finally into maintenance. So seduction is a much bigger project. Anyone who's just thinking about seduction purely in an erotic sense, is missing the point almost completely. So one of the reasons why some of the people who watched my TEDx talk put comments underneath complaining because they arrived watching the video assuming they were gonna get some hot tips and how to pull people into bed and they complain a bit, they're kind of missing the point because actually in the video are a lot of hot tips on how you would pull people into bed. But the point is you shouldn't be focusing on that project. That's not seductive. Um, you, seduction is a lifelong project. Practically every conversation you have with anyone can be one where you are thinking about how to seduce this person, but in a deeper sense, how to get them to like you. And here's the key point, how to stimulate desire within them. That's the key thing. Not just the art of seduction at its, at its highest plane is you stimulate desire with the person who sold you the coffee that they want to meet you again. And they, they love it when you come into the coffee shop to buy a coffee. Yes. So seduction is a lifelong project. It should be in, embedded in every conversation you're having all the time. One of the things I'm hearing from you is these micro seductions. It's just being nice. It's really just being pleasant to people. It is expressing a smile. It is showing people that you care and that you're in the moment and present. And I think it's so important and it, it does pay dividends. You yeah, so a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm, I'm, why am I single? I find that I go on dates, it doesn't work out well. Well, um, how are you at buying a coffee? Okay, so uh, think about being better at buying a coffee and it leads to bigger things. Think about being better at being a person that people like to be with on a micro daily basis and that will pay dividends in the long run. You know, there was a time when we first started dating, uh, we were at a restaurant and I think a waiter brought something to the table and I and Trevor didn't really acknowledge that he did that. And I said, you didn't say thank you. And she said, I said, thank you with my eyes. <laughs> and I thought that was really lovely. I don't think the waiter got that kind of a tip from no, it. But I, I, I didn't say, I forgot to say please. Right. But I think I, I said, said, could, could yeah. you? Would, um, I, I said it in a way that just said please and thank you all in my tone, in, your eyes, in body language. But you didn't say please or thank you. I said it with my you. eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I don't know if that counted, but maybe it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a very good example. Okay. That's a brilliant example. But I love the fact that you were telling her off on our first date about. Well, thing. I don't know if it was our first date. No, the first date we. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. No. Well, you know, 
we, I can share that our first date, you know, I had plans to go here and then go someplace else after for some gelato or something. And as soon as I picked Treva up, she goes, uh, make a right. I said, what? And immediately she was dictating where we were going to go because uh-huh. I was not. Why am I not surprised? I, you know, and, and well, you'll find out in a second because she had these control issues at this point knowing mm-hmm. that if in, in case something didn't work out between us at that date she could walk home or it would be close for her to get back home so yeah, that's the reason i did not uh, have a choice in the matter so i i let her have her way yeah how, how did you handle the fact that w- what you wanted to do wasn't going to happen See, that's a really interesting moment did I, you do that graciously? I, I think i may have expressed it in a very small manner and said oh i had different plans in mind and she says yeah it's okay <laughs> and you know i think she was uh you know dismissive of that and we went and, and had a lovely see how hardened night. i had gotten it was it took her a few weeks that, before she could allow me to that's what being single be the does man. to a person yeah but but that's a good test that was a good test right there how could you handle not having your own way i thought that's that's brilliant you cope pretty well with that you, you put up a little bit of a fight but you let it slide i did it wasn't it you, wasn't and, that important. and it doesn't sound as though you got annoyed you let it no, slide I, and you kept on trying to be well, I think that this was part of the nonverbal seduction process yeah. of me accepting what it is that she needed and being okay with it. Yeah, I think it was more important to make me comfortable, to make me feel comfortable than it was for you to impress me. Which I wasn't trying to do which anyway. You were, which you don't ever do. I mean, that's just not who you are. But it was important enough for you to want me to be happy and comfortable and feel safe. So you relented. I did. Which was very nice of you. So can I ask, um, Trevor, when you've done that on other dates, men reacted badly, as it were, to that? No. Mm, oh. No. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that when you're single for a really long time and you just kind of... Robbie's pulling out his little violin. <laughs> you, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Right. But Uh, listen, there's another important point we haven't talked about yet, which is persistence in the face of difficulty. One of the problems with the whole dating app thing is that if you go on a first date, it hasn't worked out. You're immediately thinking, well, I'll just find someone else on the dating app. Now, back in the the day uh, before I got married, this is back in prehistoric times where everything was in black and white, um, and there were no dating apps, there was no internet. A lot of young people are going to find that hard to believe. There was a moment in history when there was no internet. That was the best. and um, there was a sense in which people persisted a bit more in relationships yes. because they had no choice. And I do think we've lost that persistence element. People get put off way too early and fast. Yes. And they hang in there when it comes to difficulty. When you meet someone who seems a bit difficult, people just run screaming from the room. Yes. You've got to hang there and be persistent, I think, a bit more. We made this, to. yes, we made this point I, uh, for sure last episode, maybe even the one before, about how people include no drama in their dating profiles you know if mm. you have drama no thanks or don't call don't write me if don't, you're right no no drama, drama zone here mm. uh, who doesn't have drama everybody has drama and speaking of drama we have to wrap up our show that is not true really? that is true unfortunately because this uh, hour has flown by i love and when Dr. an hour Ryan, flies yes. by it, do, it really is great it was uh, great Dr. Raj, please tell our our listeners how they can find you. 
Well, uh, you can find my TEDx talk on, on YouTube. Um, you type The Psychology of Seduction and my name Raj Prasad in. My book, Simply Irresistible, The Psychology of Seduction, you can get from Amazon. And I have a free app you can download and hear me interviewing um, experts in psychology and psychiatry. Um, and there's a very interesting interview there with a professor from Princeton uh, talking about first impressions, how we make a decision within milliseconds of meeting people from their appearance, and how that decision is usually wrong. Um, ah. So so much so that he doesn't interview people anymore, by the way, for faculty positions, because he realizes that the, <laughs> the impression you can get from people uh, it, it, you know, is often erroneous in the attention phase. Anyway, so those are some of the resources if people want to follow up on some of the material. But it's been great talking to you guys. Well, you uh, too. And I hope we can date some more. We'll have to do a double date FaceTime. We are uh, attracted to you. Uh, we have, we're interested, and we would like to maintain some yes. something with you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. You've seduced all our listeners. Today. Yeah. Honey, this was great. Beautiful show. I'm talking to you, Dr. Raj. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's looking at you, not me. She, uh, no, lovey, I, lovey. I love you with my eyes. I'm, <laughs> thank <laughs> you with my eyes. And thanks to everybody for tuning in and listening to Done Being Single. We are done being single, yes, and hopefully everyone is too, or soon to be. Everybody have a great week, and we'll be back again next week. Oh, and follow us at Done Being Single wherever right. you get your uh, podcasts too and we are everywhere so follow us and stay with us and maintain with us and stay attracted to us we'll see you bye-bye i'm shadow stevens with my friends trevor and robbie see you next week on done being single